Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. When you have a say amen, if you don't know what the Bible is, say, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't have it, but you need another minute, say, hold up. Nobody says nothing. Y'all just got to, are you, are you, the, are you the, the Maserates? You haven't memorized? <laughs> we just memorized the whole Bible here. So we can crack the law. When someone follows Jesus, we're going to tell them what the law says. Not y'all. That's what the Pharisees did. We don't want to be them. <laughs> oh, they're crazy. Okay. It's December, y'all. Tis the season to be jolly for Jesus. I don't like that big fat man with the beard. Y'all can do what you want, but I, me and him aren't friends. Him and the Easter Bunny, I don't know what they do, but we celebrate Jesus in my house. <laughs> oh, my humor is weird, I know. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, this is Paul speaking. It says, For this I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Everybody say power. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and, 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 and immeasurable his, the love of Christ is. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. Everybody say filled. To the measure of all the fullness of God. The Bible says that the fullness of of the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily. What that means is there's not three of them. That means God is, Jesus is everything God is. That's what that means. And it's an insult to call him anything different. That means when you heard the term father, that is the Christ in creation, the plan of redemption. And redemption is son. That is the fruit coming, the word moving upon man. And regeneration is when he says, I will come back to you now that you may have the same spirit in me through regeneration that first happened in Acts 2. Now you may act as me. That is what that means, that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ's body. That is the Bible, and nothing else is the Bible. And if you can find Find something else, I dare you to send it to me because that's not the Bible. So we're going to preach you the truth here, y'all. Isn't that good? The Bible says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, not somebody else. I'm not going to send Colton. I'm coming to die for them, says God. You getting this? I don't know why I'm preaching that. It's not part of the message. <laughs> it is now. Amen. All right. All right. I like it. I like this. I lost my spot. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, to ever, forever and ever. Amen. Amen is important here. It means so be it, it is finished, it is done. Amen. He's declaring it here. He's not saying, I don't know if I believe this. He's saying, amen, it is so. My title today is bigger than you can imagine. And I was thinking about that this weekend, that sometimes things are bigger than I can imagine, and sometimes they're bigger than I did imagine. There's a difference. The difference is, 
Sometimes we have a picture of what God will do. And God says, it's always going to be bigger than that. But also, it's always going to be something you could never even conceive to begin with. You see the difference there? It's bigger than I thought, and it's bigger, bigger than I can think. And there's a difference there. And that's how God wants you to move with your faith. Bigger than you can even imagine. That's even possible for us to measure with our minds. Because Paul says he can do immeasurably more than that. So good. How many like skiing? Snow skiing. I liked it too, especially when the snow was in my face and I was going face down the hill in the mountains of Idaho when I was 17 years old and I was staying with the family and I thought the sister was cute and so I was trying to be the man and never ski a day in my life and I was just eating snow all day for like eight hours and by that seventh hour and 55 minutes, I finally got the hang of it and they said, it's time to go home. Time to go back to St. Louis and I never skied again, Rusty. It's kind of like water skiing. I had the same experience. By the last moment, I finally stood up on the water like Peter, and bam, faith said, you're never doing this again, sank. Never did it again. But I did, I did eventually snow ski again in 2014, Jen. This time it wasn't in Idaho. It was in Vail, Colorado. How many have been to the mountains of Colorado and skied down the slopes? This, this is good. Oh, Larry, yeah, I should have known. You're, you're like the mountain man. You ski, I know you skied a long time. Well, this was my second time, and so I got up to the blue, the blue slopes, and of course my brother was with me, and he had to do, uh, what was it, a black? No, I was doing green. He had to do the blue and be tempted to do the black, and I'm, the, I'm thinking I'm going to get hurt. He's thinking, let me see if I can die. So he was going for like the black on day one, and we were with a friend that took us to Vail, and I'll never forget getting off the airplane and getting in the rental car and driving from the airport to the mountain. Has anybody ever had that experience on the freeway? And you can see the mountain, right? And doesn't it feel like a mirage, like it's not really there? Because no matter how long you drive, the thing looks forever away. And you're like, it's just a painting. It's just a painting in God's canvas. And then it's and somehow you eventually get to the foot of the mountain. And so, you know, it's great, right? It actually was icy on the mountain. It was snowing. And I just thought it was so great because as we start to go up the mountain, there's no rails. There's no, like, bumpers, like, if you go off the mountain, it's bye-bye. And so my friend who's driving the car, he's a little zippy with his foot. He's got a little bit of a lead foot up the mountain in a rental car that we've never been in. And I'm thinking, bro, why are you driving like this? You trying to kill me? I just, I got like, I got 18 children. I need, I need, I need to live here. What are you doing? And we're driving up the mountain. You know, everybody, everybody doesn't say nothing, but they want to. It's like one of those situations we're like, everybody's thinking the same thing, like, are we going to die? But they want to be cordial, like, it's okay, he's just about to kill us. But nobody wants to say nothing, so we die over stupidity because of our pride to actually say, hey, you're driving like a not smart person. Anybody? So we're going up the mountain, and, and I remember, I remember psh, a little bit of sliding action, and there's no rails. We're, we're elevating altitude. There's, no, there's nothing. It's just a road, and over the side is death, and we're going up the mountain, and he's zipping up the mountain in a turning behavior, like, and I'm like, if we just lose a little bit of traction, I'm not coming home, that home. And, and, and so we made it up the mountain. But I'll never forget the fear, once I was on the mountain, of what happens if I fell off the mountain. And might I add that if you really want to scare your children, put them on the mountain with no, what are these things called? Poles, yes. Sticks. See, I'm from St. Louis. I don't know. 
I don't know what these are. They're sticks. They're forks. They put these little kids up there, and here's Jeffy, 30-something years old, terrified, and the kids are like, coming down a mountain with, with swag. And they're, just, they're like, I'm telling you, like four years old, they're zipping down the blues. Jeffy's on the bunny slope. They're on the blues. Mom and dad are on another mountain. And these four-year-olds are just cruising down a mountain. So they had some kind of faith that I didn't because they had been there before, you know? And I hadn't. And so this, this looked really daunting. And it took enough courage to get up on the thing in the mountain. But then once I'm there, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And then we'll, maybe we'll talk about ski lifts later. That's a whole other experience when it's your first time. It's another one of those, why would humans do this? Do they have seatbelts? They, they have like a bench and they hit the button and then zip, zip you up 100 feet in the air. It's great. It's just you and death. It's just you looking at death. Well, it is a foot of snow, so I'm sure it'll be soft if I fall from 100 feet. No, I think I'll still probably at least break everything in my body. That's what my mind was doing. <laughs> so I'm so optimistic. <laughs> But, you know, this experience is what your faith journey can actually look like on a regular, even when you're faithful. And at various times in my life, I've had my doubts and wondered, wandered back to my thoughts of self-deprecation, feeling inadequate, and wondered if God was proud of me and if God was in my situation. We always ask God, do you love me? But have you ever asked God or thought about if he's proud of how you live in your life? Anybody? You know you want your dad to be proud of you, right? You want your mom and dad to be proud of you? Well, God, God, God is proud of you, but it's normal to have that yearning to please your father. It's just in us. And so sometimes when we feel inadequate, we question whether we're making him proud. And it's only in these moments I fall back to real faith. And remember that God is bigger than I can place my mind around. It's only in these moments of doubt I start to remember how big God is and how badly I need him in everything I do. Trust me, I was praying in that car quietly because, you know, I didn't want to be not cool. But in my mind, and I might have been whispering, I don't know. Like, Lord, please get this fool together. Give me the car wheel. I didn't say it like that. That's what I was thinking, though, in my flesh. He's about to kill us all. But I love him. He was my friend. <laughs> God never lets go of the reins. And when you feel all alone and that the world may be against you or not see you for who you want them to see you as, remember God never lets go. He's still in control. He still desires to lead you if you let him. That's good. Never forget, church, that he desires to lead you if you let him. If you let him. You can't drive a car all the time. You got to let God drive the ship. You know, the Bible says that if God can control the ship, he can control your life. He talks about us being like, a, like our mouths, being like, the, being like the steering wheel, being like the rudder, being like the bit in the horse's mouth. That's why our words matter. That's why what we speak matters. That's why sometimes I go home and watch these and I go, why did I say that? That is not encouraging somebody. Sometimes real encouragement comes through transparency and honesty, amen? We need real talk sometimes as a church. And if I only fluff everything you ever hear, you never get a taste of the real thing. And the real thing is where you get up the mountain. 
The real thing is what keeps you going up the mountain, knowing that if the driver you're, you're driving with loses control, God is going to grab the wheel. God's going to do something to spare you because he never lets go if you let him take control. Are you staring at the face of something bigger than you can imagine? Let me add, are you staring at the face of something bigger than you've even imagined? I know y'all have kids. Some of y'all have kids. Hopefully y'all, hopefully all you who have kids know they have kids. <laughs> and um, I bet you they've turned out some ways that you never imagined. That they're doing things you never really thought about when you thought it'd be, hey, this would be really fun to have a kid. This would be so cool. They'll call me daddy and other things. <laughs> just give it time. Like, no, my kids are great. I love them. But I'm just saying, like, raising children is a different experience than planning for them. Because it's different than you can imagine. You can't imagine fully the, 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 the circle of influence and sphere that will circulate their life. And so that's kind of like why God gives us children is to illustrate Everything that is kingdom-driven. Like, you cannot put a boundary um, around me, he says. Now to him, Paul says, who is able to do immeasurably more. That means you cannot confine him to your understanding. And if you do, you will be left confused. But, yeah, when I was facing that mountain, has anybody ever faced a mountain? Maybe it's not a real mountain. But has anybody ever been standing at the foot of the mountain deciding, when do I start going up this thing? And they're staring you're staring at the top of the mountain, contemplating to get on the mountain. Has anybody ever done that? You know what the easiest way to never start the journey up the mountain is? Look at the top. Focus on the top. I say focus, God says focus on the footing. Because as long it's like being on the right. If I look down, I'm going to be scared. But if I look at one foot in front of me, you step by step. God says you'll start climbing. You're going to start moving. And the hardest part of climbing a mountain is starting. It took the Israelites forever to get on the mountain because they just kept circling the mountain. And if we stare at the top of anything we set our minds to, it will look impossible to achieve. It's pretty crazy, Jen. We're putting together a five-year clip of this church, and it looks impossible where we're at even right now from five years ago. If we would look at the footage now, that if we would have looked at it back, and it was even longer than five years ago, and said now this is where it would be, it, 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 looks, it looks impossible. Because of doubt, because of limitations of faith in the flesh, it's because of preconceived notions of how God will do it, it's already bigger than we ever imagined and different than we imagined. And the church is one illustration. Your life is another. It will go directions that you didn't imagine. You'll have hills and valleys, but rejoice because all of it is growth in the Lord. All of it. The mountain is only as good as the hill you climb to get there. Don't forget that. That even when it hurts, doesn't mean God's not there. But when you're facing the mountain, you've got to decide how long you want to stay in the wilderness. The funny thing about bigger is when it gets big enough, you can think you want that, and then you get up there in that car, and you're circling that mountain, and you start to look over the edge, and you're like, I don't know if I want this. I don't know 
that this is what I expected. It can be the greatest blessing on the planet, but you can be scared of it. Has anybody ever had that? It's like a baby. When you have a baby, it's scary and exciting, right? Because you're like, especially the first one, I'm in charge of another human being? That's scary. Until you start to learn that God is really the one in charge of everybody. And so, so that takes process. But, but the, even when it's blessing, when it's change, it's scary. And that fear can get you to opt out of change even when it's for your good. Sometimes it hurts. They say no pain, no gain. I don't think you have to suffer through everything good in your life, but I know a lot of great things come through suffering. A lot of great things in the Bible happen through pain. And so there's, there's a truth to stretching in the womb of God's purpose for your life, that if there was no pain in the process, you really can never elevate up the hill. You're getting a little winded. You know they have altitude problems up there. If you don't drink your water, you get altitude sickness. You get dizzy. You want to throw up. All these things I didn't know about because I've only been on, you know, uh, what do they call it, ground level, the sea level. I'm so educated in this. I've only been on sea level. So guess who was not hydrated up on the ski lift going, whoa, this is making me sick. What's going on? They're like, well, did you drink like 18 bottles of water yesterday? I said, no. So it wasn't fun. But I'll never forget the experience. Because had I not finally got up there and seen what it looks like from a different perspective, I never could understand the difference. And I never could then backtrack to where I was and see how God got me there because I never was willing to go. So if I'm never willing to go, I can never look back and see where God has brought me from and brought me to. you got to have a comparison. And that's what the challenge will do when you're elevating to your new blessing. Sometimes bigger can feel daunting. Sometimes bigger can feel like really giant dominoes. And you're just like, if one of these falls, what happens, God? And he says, let me worry about that. Let me worry about that. If I touched it, then let me worry about that. We need to worry about taking steps up the mountain. Tomorrow will work itself out. The Bible says tomorrow is sufficient for itself, that if you live for him now, tomorrow will work itself out. If you go through it now, tomorrow you'll be on the mountain higher than you ever thought you could go. How do we do it? Paul says God can do things we can't. And he talks about the power that is in this process is in God and that it then comes into us by his spirit. So if we want to have power, the power of Christ, we have to have his spirit in us. And that is where strength lives. When we quit, when we quit qualifying our faith by our ability and start qualifying our faith by his promise, that is when we become strong. Paul says, I have to become weak so he can be strong in me. We pass it through the power of his Holy Spirit. He puts the power in us, and now we have the power to do things that are not measurable. This is, okay, this is going to get good. It's going to start preaching good here. Like, like he puts power in us that we can do things that the society says, you can't, you, you got to do it this way, and now all of a sudden we did it anyway. Because eventually the power that is within us takes over the conversation. 
of your life because God is working through you. It is God all along. It was never you to begin with. You are a vessel. He is the captain. And as long as you don't get off the wheel, get off the steering wheel, he will never be captain of your life. And yes, driving the ship practically means what I do with this, what I do with my behavior, my actions, how I demonstrate the power that I claim within me to others. What am I demonstrating? Is that Christ? Sometimes I would say no to myself. And I'm not saying be perfect, but I'm saying I need to demonstrate the power of God, and that means I must decrease for him to increase. And by the power of the Spirit, I can climb a mountain that looks like a mirage. I can actually climb this thing. You can climb this thing. It looks like a mirage. The devil says it's not really there. It's a pipe dream in your spirit. God says it's not. The devil says it's not there. God says if you keep going, you'll see it's a tangible thing you really will touch. You'll really feel. It's not this what if thing. It's really there. You go get it, says the Lord. Y'all getting this? The devil wants you to do nothing and just keep saying it's too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth nothing. You do it by the power of his Holy Spirit in you, and that is the only thing that can do immeasurably more than the world says. Amen, Camilla. The Spirit lifts you up when your muscles can't. The Spirit brings dead bones to life. Lazarus didn't get up because he had a nice workout the day before and his his muscles were working better. No, that's not what he did. He got up by the power of God that raised him. The spirit is the strength, not your physical attributes. This is just a shell. It's It's just a shirt called flesh. And when that goes away, what's left? My union and intertwined DNA of the Holy Spirit in me, that's for eternity. I am his now. That's my strength. One foot in front of the other. I'm going to step up. I'm going to call it a hill. If I got to call it a hill, it's a hill. It's really a mountain. And it looks unclimbable. But if I got to call it a hill for now, I'm just going to climb a few feet. Do something. Do something. Look to your neighbor and say, just do something. Move a foot. Yeah, you don't have no feeling in your feet because you don't ever walk for Jesus. You want to feel God? Walk for Jesus. Wake it up. You know when your body goes to sleep and it's tingling, especially if you have like a surgery and they say don't sleep on your arm and you wake up because you can't feel it and you actually got like severe injury and you can't even feel it because it's numb. Like when the, then the block wears off. You know, anybody ever had that? The, the numbing block wears off and, and then you wake up in your sleep and it actually hurts again. This is a funny story. Anybody have surgery before? You all are just already saints in your new bodies for the kingdom. This is great. No injuries in here. (laughs) If you don't feel nothing, you got to first get a tingle. But if it's just laying there long enough, you don't feel nothing. What do you do when something on your body goes to sleep? What do you do? You do one of these, especially with your leg, you're like, you feel goofy, and you know it feels weird, and you're like, if I don't pay attention, I'm going to fall on my face, and I just got to kind of like do something to get some feeling back. Anybody have a numb body part once in a while? Am I the only one? Okay. 
Praise God. Okay, so I get a little tingling back, and eventually the blood starts flowing, and now I'm standing, and now I'm jumping. It didn't just start that way. You got to move something. Move it. I mean, sometimes it's so bad I can't even move my fingers. But eventually I just keep, I take my hand and I just do this, and I get a little bit of God in there, and next thing you know, my arm's moving, and next thing you know, my body's moving, and next thing you know, I'm jumping, and now I'm telling people, that's how you do it. Move something. Start with a toe. When you're, when you're numb for Jesus and you don't feel nothing, praise him. Worship him. That's why worship music matters. Because, because some, of the, some of the deepest things in my life, like I felt nothing. But as soon as I open up the door for God to move and I open the door, the blood starts flowing through the, the, the house. And now the worship enters and God, God moves through worship. So now his spirit is waking up these bones. And that's what he'll do to you. That's how God pours out his spirit in you. It's a, it's a willingness to receive. And if you're willing to just move a little for God and be vulnerable for God, he pours into you something you can't hold back. Out of your belly will flow. You can't even stop it. It's a river. The Bible says his spirit is like a river. And when you get enough river in you, you can't help but zip up that mountain. I'm not saying on a mountain you won't get scared now, but that's why you have his spirit to remember how you even got there to begin with. That is the only way. God can turn your mountain into a hill and make it achievable. Does anybody remember Rocky IV? Ivan Drago? Who remembers Ivan? I must break you. Wasn't that so good? you know, when me and my wife met, she had never seen a Rocky. I said, I'm out. Out of here. Blasphemy. And she had cats, and I'm allergic. <laughs> so I think at some point we had to have a marathon in my house. Ivan Drago was unbreakable. You remember, um, you remember like, he beat Apollo, right? And it was not pretty. And, and Rocky's like, well, hey, you know, I got to beat, hey, you know, I got to beat him now. He beat Apollo, you know. And so, and so. He was not human, you know. He punched the machines in Russia, and, and he would destroy all the machines. He was like, a, like the Terminator. But then, then, Rocky fought him. And Rocky's real. Everybody knows Rocky Balbo is real. And he's Rambo. And he gets Drago. And Drago gets a little cut. And he has blood, Rusty. He has blood. And, and, then, and then the coroner's going, you see, he's just a man. He's not, he's not, he's not impossible to break. And then, then this, this is the funny part. Then the Russian gets back. Then Drago, I can't say Russian no more. I don't know, the, I don't know, what you, I don't know what's politically correct. But Drago gets back to his corner, and he goes, he, he's not human. Now he thinks Rocky's not human. You get where I'm going with this? Your mountain can become a hill when you start treating it like what it really is, achievable. Oh, I could go on. There's other... We like fighting in my house. There's other situations like that, that when, they can, when the devil can get your mind and say, they're not touchable, that dream is not possible, it will never be possible. But when, when, when God says, they're just human, this is achievable. If I put it in you, you can get up this thing. It's a hill. Now it's just a slope. Next thing you know, you're standing on top going, it's pretty flat, flatter than I thought. I didn't know I could do it so fast. Let me do it again. Amen for that. I got a half a clap, I'll take it. The devil wants to stop you here. 
The devil wants to stop you here. Even when you started the journey, you can look over and say, there's no rails there. I better go back. This is looking daunting. Man, I didn't think about how much colder it got and how much more snow was up here. That now I'm halfway up the, up the elevation. I don't think I can finish. Does anybody ever feel like that? God gave you what you asked for. And now you're like, I don't know if I can meet my part of the deal. Because it's different than what I imagined. It's bigger than what I can imagine. It's outside of my capacity, Jen. I'm just a human. I don't know if I can handle it. What if it ruins my life? Has anybody ever felt that? It's quiet in here. But if God touched it, you can do it. His love is immeasurable. Is a tape measure. What do we do with tape measures? We measure stuff. Oh, y'all are so smart. <laughs> you know, I was going to do an illustration with the one seed tape measure because I actually thought it was broke. And then sure enough, God heals the tape measure before service. I'm like, no, God, it's supposed to stay broke. Because for the longest time, you know, they got the locker. You pull the tape out and then you can lock it. For the longest time I tried to lock it, it would fall back. And it was so annoying. And why don't I just go get another tape measure? I don't know. So for a year, I keep using the broken tape measure and just get annoyed at it. Because every time I go to measure something, it retracts automatically no matter, no matter what I do to lock it. But all that to say, can we measure something in here? Anybody like tape measures like me? Come on, tape measures are cool. Especially when your kid drops it on the hardwood. The birch wood. Don't ever get birch in your house. It dents. Very easy. Look at this. Look at this. Here I am trying to measure church. I'm trying to measure God. Put, put a picture of God's operation on my measuring tape. Now, I don't know about you, but I just ran out of length. God says, you can't measure me. So I thought I got the longest one they had at the hardware store. This is a 25. Anything bigger is hard to carry in my pocket. But... God says, you can't measure this. You're trying to measure the mountain? <laughs> God laughs at people. <laughs> You're trying to measure the mountain? You can't measure this? Put the tape away. Because my love is immeasurable. Immeasurable. Immeasurably more and immeasurable. That means you cannot find a tape that can measure my love. Y'all tracking? You can't measure this. It's bigger. Y'all getting this? You can't measure this. It's bigger. You can't put your mind around it. It's bigger than you can even fathom or imagine. You're not capable to imagine how big it is. It's not possible. There's comfort in knowing you're just going to lose without Jesus. There's comfort in that. There's a point where you get excited that finally you can say someone else can do it bigger, better, because I can't do it without him, and you can, you can take the weight off because I can't measure him like I thought. When I'm trying to measure him, I'm the one driving. Get it? His love is immeasurable. And God will move what we're willing to climb. He'll move the mountain when we're willing to climb it. The Bible says the faith of a mustard seed will move a mountain. That means when I'm willing to climb a mountain that God put in front of me, you know who created the mountains? God did. I never heard no story about the devil making all the pretty mountains on the earth. Never heard that one. I heard that God created all the heavens and the earth, and he rested on the seventh day. That's what I heard. That means God created this thing that I'm climbing? was the devil. Faith will drive you up. God will move you forward. And even when you reach the top, God says, 
I'm bigger than that. <laughs> I'm bigger than that. You think you're on the peak of me? I don't have a peak. You're on the peak of something I created. But you can never be on the peak of me because I'm immeasurable. I have no counselor. I am the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. Therefore, quit trying to put your tape measure of understanding around my purpose for your life. You'll never find it that way. You don't have faith if you got to know the end from the beginning. If you got to figure out how you're going to be on the top before you start at the bottom, you'll never climb. Never. You'll never climb. Come on, somebody. Are you getting this word today? Is this feeding somebody? This is, this is good. If y'all can stand, I want to I tell you this story in closing. I don't have to measure God because God is tapeless. God will move something in your life so you can move something in his kingdom. God will take away. This hurts. God will take away something from your life so you can thrive in his kingdom. God will hurt you in a season, not, not, not for spite. God will allow it like Job so you can win in the long-term game of what he set you out to do. The devil says it's just a mirage, but God says, no, I'm really here. I want to tell you something real quick as we close. God told me this this morning. On one cup of coffee, God still speaks to me. <laughs> That's a coffee joke. Anybody like coffee in here? Good. I was thinking about the mountain and the no, the no rails. And you can just feel like you live in there. You're living on this hill. And God said, well, I'm the rail. I'm the rail that you can't see. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean I'm not there. But then he said something that really blew my mind, Jen. He said, I'm the mountain. I'm what you're climbing. You're not climbing adversity. You're climbing your purpose. I am the mountain. I am not someone to help you up this thing because I am it. So when you think you're climbing this battle of a wall or a hill, God says you're climbing to kingdom purpose. That's what you're feeling. And it's scary sometimes because I've never seen it from that altitude. Y'all getting this? You're not climbing the devil's mountain. The devil never made a mountain on this earth that I know of. God made the mountains. God is everything. You can't separate God from everything and everywhere he is. He is everything to your life, everything. He is not a tangible thing. He is bigger than that. Therefore, he is the rail. He is the hill. He is the air. He is the energy. He is the hydration. He is everything in your life to get you to the purpose of the peak of the mountain. And at the end of the day, he says, I am the mountain. You climb, I'll assist You've got to climb towards me. You've got to elevate your altitude for me because what I've got up here is so 
breathtaking to see that if you just knew now what you know five years later, you would see it differently. And you'd go, that's impossible to achieve. But God says, I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ, the Bible says, who strengthens me. His love is immeasurably more. That means I cannot measure it. That means I can go somewhere, and when I look back, I can say, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And that's what you're going to see happen with your church. And that's what you're going to see happen with your faith journey, in your personal life, in your walk. You're going to see it go somewhere, and in hindsight, you're going to go, why did God do this? Why did God give me these children? I don't deserve that. Why did God use me like this? Why did God believe in me? Because it's not about us. It's about being boats for his kingdom. And when we're faithful clay, God can mold us into purpose. Amen. Every head bowed, every hand lifted, I'd ask you to take a step. If worship is weird for you today, I ask you to lift a hand today for the first time. No one's looking. Just lower your head, close your eyes, and be faithful and test the waters and say, God, I'm going to surrender part of me today, and maybe next week it'll be two of me, and maybe next week it'll be all of me, but I'm going to start surrendering today because if I don't start, I can never finish, and if I don't ever put myself on the hill, I can never climb a mountain, but I got to go because time is precious, and I can look back in five years and say, what? What did I do with my life? I ran out of time. And God says, you got to move now. That time is not forever. You have a purpose now to get up the hill now. Quit waiting. Your time is coming now to move. God, let this sink into their hearts that tomorrow is no guarantee that we got to do this thing now because the world needs us. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.